This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for, the for the Suffering Podcast. podcast. There are three sides to every story. Yours, theirs, and the truth. The truth usually lies somewhere in between and is never as clear-cut as it may be portrayed. Unless you were there, the reality may be different than the narrative in front of your eyes. Approach each situation with an air of caution. Reserve your judgment until you know the totality of the circumstances. That education may solidify your opinion or change your mind completely. The presentation of the truth can be an optical illusion. It may be as concrete as the air we breathe or the love in our hearts. Information may just free you from the chains of doubt. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and welcome to The Suffering Podcast. If you're a fan of overcoming adversity and overcoming suffering, then we're for you, because that's what we do here, and that's the stories that we highlight. So do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, please comment, ring the bell so you can get notified of all of our new content, and now you can join. Follow us on all social media so you can find out what we're up to. On this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome in Dom Lilo to discuss the suffering of excessive force. It's going to be a little tough one. It's going to be a rough one, but I think we can get through it. Yeah, but thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before we get into anything, let's throw a big shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody as police, but we do trust them. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com. They know what they're doing. Dom, each week, we take a question from our audience. This week's question comes from Philip... Did you write this one? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Philip dot M A dot butthole. Philip my butthole. That, that is <laughs> like that is like right up your alley. Oh my gosh. Who wrote that, Nick? I don't know. It's <laughs> Philip. Is he related to Beavis? <laughs> I I told I'll tell you what, I didn't even read it. I just wrote it. Right. Right. What gets you the angriest? Tom, you're our guest tonight. I'm going to pass this one off to you. What do you think? What gets you the angriest? Uh, I mean, from something. Uh, stupidity. Stupidity. It's, it's not bad. Stupidity That's really stupid. does. Mike, what do you think? You know what? Aside from traffic in this area. <laughs> in your Jeep. You might Jeep. <laughs> my, that, that too. My Jeep. The thing that gets me angry is fake people. And, you know, I, I don't like when... I. You know, I am what you see, whether you like it or not, I'm not going to change for anybody. I hate people who try to be fake. It, it just, yeah. that bothers the hell out of me. That gets me nasty angry. You know, that that's a hard thing to perpetuate when somebody is phony because their, their true self always bleeds through in one way or another. Yeah, but it, it takes a long time to figure out that they're fake. So you, you know what I'm saying? You get a, you meet someone, you become like kind of new friends and you think that's the person that you're being a friend with. And then about a month down the road, true colors come out. You realize they're true colors. It's like a relationship after three months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or marriage after twenty five years. But go ahead, Kev. So my, I, I have to say because it's something that it it carries on to every aspect of my life, and that's laziness. So ignorance gets me aggravated, but I can educate ignorance. Laziness is like a virus. Laziness is like a disease and it can infect everybody around you. You got one, just take football for instance. You got one lazy kid on the field and he is a popular kid. Well, guess what? He is going to infect everybody else with the laziness. So, you know, from my opinion, when you see something that's somebody that's lazy, you better cut it off really quick because it's like a cancer and it just keeps growing and growing. And before you know it, it's out of control. It infects everybody else. You're right. So that's, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that pisses me off. Though. Oh, the list goes on and on. Of course, yeah. same with me. <laughs> you know, what pisses me off. Philip my butthole. Philip, <laughs> I mean, that kind of pisses me off. That is fuck. That is that is one of the greatest. Yeah, I know. Greatest handles ever. I just, so, I just wrote it. I didn't. I didn't really uh, say it. Yeah, I, I, I swear to God, I was I was pulling them, and I just wrote. Okay. Yeah, you were pulling it, and you read Philip my butthole. <laughs> the the dots screwed me up, but thank you right. very much, Philip, for sending that one in. Keep sending in your questions. We will try to get them. Can you on imagine the air. going through life with a last name of my butthole? <laughs> I doubt that's his real name, but I got to tell you what, that's a that's a five dollar handle right there. <laughs> oh, God. 
the you anal. Just, you could have just told me in my in my headphones. The anal retentive producer. <laughs> so now we'll start again. And if you notice, my cord is now <laughs> fixed in the right direction. <laughs> so, Philip, thank you very much for sending in your question. Keep sending in your questions, and we will try to get them on the air. So, Dom, um, this is going to be a really tough one for us. Um, we always hate it when a, a brother in blue falls. Yes. Uh, some people cheer it. Yes. Some people walk away from it. There's Mike, a certain sector of society that wait for you. What we what we used to call stepping on your dick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Certain yeah. sector of people in society wait for you. Wait for a cop to step on their dick. And oh, yeah. But the one thing about Mike and I is we will give everybody the opportunity to say their truth, to say their perspective of it, because unless we weren't there during your bad times, we don't know what happened. Right. We know what we read, but other than that, you know, it's just, it's it's somebody else's opinion of what went through. So before we get into that though, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Well, Right now, I'm 53 years old, still living in Bayonne, New Jersey. Again, I'm the oldest guy in the studio. With Tom Schmittler? Schmittley. Yes. Yes. You know, you know Schmitty? Yes, I do. Joe. He just retired, I believe. Well, retired's a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom's a good Schmitty's we, we, we can't say that other bad yeah. R word. We've actually, we've actually had his track message up on the air when we had, to, when we had Tom in here. <laughs> Yeah, Tom, Schmitty's a, yeah. but Schmitty's on the road to recovery. So yes, like he's he is, he's yes. picking his life yes. back up. Great, great the whole guy. Family, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Schmitt, Schmitt, Schmitty's a great guy. Known him for years. Went to school Love with him. Love death. <laughs> his great, uh, you know, when he we had him in here, his greatest line ever. I was like, Hey, Schmitty, you know, I love you, man. I want you to. He goes, what are you fag? That's what he says. <laughs> That's a, he. He actually said that word. And I go. And and back of my head, I'm like, oh, man. oh, demonetize, demonetize, demonetize. Yeah, sure. So you live in Bayonne, New Jersey, with uh, the Chuck Wepner. Yes, not the leader. V Vito went to Fermo. I was in I was in Bayonne the other day. We went to uh, San Vito. Okay, over sure. on the Boulevard. Reached out. Love San Vito. Yeah. So how'd you uh, you grew up there your whole life? So grew up there. I actually came from Jersey City, moved to Bayonne. Uh, I think it was 12 years old. My parents. Went to high school, grammar school, all of that. Mm. I was in the 20s. A lot of my friends were becoming cops or corrections officers at the time I was a car salesman. Like, you know, take the test, take the test. Car salesman? Car is, salesman. Is that the entranceway into law enforcement? Mine was a, that car salesman was a segue job for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the test. Yeah. Became a Hudson County corrections officer. I because started. at the time, you know, they sell a good product. Hey, you get your benefits paid Absolutely. for. You got a pension. Can't go you, wrong. You're not going to get rich, but you're going to make you're going to make Still. an okay living. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Now, mind you, I started back in '97. Oh yeah. So things were a lot different. As your top salaries were probably hovering in the neighborhood of fifty-five thousand. I was in the academy for Hudson County sheriffs in Essex. That's we, where I went. Through. I was making twenty thousand dollars plus. Huh. Jeez, don't spend that all in one place. No. That thousand dollar check every two you, weeks. And you say what, what pisses you off? We were getting pepper sprayed. I'll never forget the uh, the instructor. Got arrested, so he took his life not too long ago. Also, he started saying something about Hudson County hoodlum. <laughs> I got pepper sprayed. I think I just went didn't even feel it. <laughs> we just went at it. <laughs> yeah. You get that. I, I, you get that I, adrenaline I, dump. Yeah. I started in '96, making twenty four thousand yeah. a year. Got it. I guess it wasn't too bad. I thought it was. I. I so again, I. I, I wasn't a car sale. I left being a car salesman. I went to another job mm -hmm. and I went from a salary of 80,000 yep. down. down to 33 wow. in 2001. But, you know, I looked at the long game. Okay. That's, that's what all police officers do. Yes. We take Absolutely. this job for really crap starting pay, but we're playing the long game. Yes. You know, well, like you said, we, we don't get into this job to be rich. No, no. We get into it because of the love of it. You do it for not only that, but literally to give something back. Yep, exactly. Like right. I grew up, I wanted to give back. Like a lot of where a lot of guys were moving out of town, I stayed there. I had no problem running to the people I locked up. People, I, you know, I had problems with domestic violence. I had no problem. Like, hey, you okay? What's going on? It kind of connects you to the fabric of the society. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You become a pillar of society. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what it, I. I always, like I said, I started off with the sheriff's department in '96, and I didn't have a home base. 
You know, and it just, you, one day you're up in Mawa, one day you're in Franklin Lakes, yeah. one day you're in right. Cliffside, you know. I wanted a place to call home. Yeah. You know, and. Correct. Correct. I, I transferred down to Lyndhurst and I had a home base right. and it was the best move I ever made. But going back, like you said, so I started in corrections making 19000 Yeah. So I got a raise when I went to the sheriff's. Literally a year to date, the following year, got picked up by Bayonne, jumped to $40,000. Isn't that crazy the way that works, a lateral movement? Exactly. You know, well, so here's the strange thing about police work. You'll have a lot of cops make their lateral movements with right. inside the, the, the world. Very seldomly is it for an advancement in pay. When you're brand new, it's easier. Sure. You're brand new. But I know guys with six, seven years on, they transfer to another department and they take a huge pay cut. Yeah, I'm sure there's got to be reasons behind it. Why? Well, so there, there was. Um, I, I was going to make a transfer to East Hanover. Okay. Okay. And it, it, if I was playing the long game, it was a good move, but I couldn't do it at the time because I was right. make, taking a twenty thousand dollar a year pay cut in order to do it because mm-hmm. they started everybody at step one, and uh, I was going through some financial difficulties at the time and I couldn't do it. But you know, when you're young and you don't have, you're untethered. Right. right. It's very easy. To I, do. I, I was I was a year away from getting a top pay with the sheriff's department. And I transferred to Lynnhurst. Yeah. And they dropped me down like step three. Mm-hmm. Married, kid. Right. You know, you bust your ass to make ends meet. It's funny you said about the lateral because we had guys from Jersey City come to Bayonne. Yeah. That's and a good not, move, by the way. That's a very, it's a very good move, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's probably the most corrupt city in, it's always been the most corrupt city oh, in. The, the crime is just, well, not no, corrupt, just the crime itself. So I was watching Boardwalk Empire and, and uh, Nucky Johnson or Thompson, whatever his, it, whatever they called him in the show. But yeah, but it's, it, it's Thompson, his real name. No, it's not bumpy. That's, that's the, he was the black section. That's Nucky Thompson. So his real name was Enoch Johnson. He's buried in Summers Point, New Jersey. I know exactly where he's buried. I know where his tombstone is. Hmm. So uh, he would host the Jersey city mayor coming down. And even in the really? show, it's, it's paying him like Jersey city ran everything. Um, so it's always been that that way in there. Listen, Bayonne wasn't that far behind. <laughs> Hudson County politics. Hudson County, the armpit of New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. But so you went to Essex County Police Academy, which yep. means you qualified in Caldwell in the outdoor range. You were doing yes. lean and rest in the parking lot. Now that they're, they put an indoor range back there, there's not as much room for lean and rest. I don't know what they have there now. Yeah, there's, there's, there. there's an outdoor range yeah. that they put in there. I want to say, God, it's 15 years ago. Okay. Probably. Wow. But, you know, that old outdoor range, you, you qualified in rain, yeah. sleet, or snow. That's right. Yep. And always catching uh, the, the dead lead yeah. in the berm. Yeah, kicking you back. And you're kicking you back. Yeah, back from the sand. Yeah. You, you, you know, you're up at the five-yard line or a one-yard line doing weapons retention. Like, I'm hit. I'm hit. I'm down. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because all you hear is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got through Essex. And so where did you start? Did you start in corrections? Start in corrections. You were in corrections. You didn't transfer while you were in the academy. No, no, no. Yeah. Did corrections. Uh, went to Bergen County for corrections. Left, went to Hudson County Sheriff's, went to Essex County Sheriff's, uh, the academy for sheriffs there. That's when the same state test, I had to say high score, picked me up and went to Bayonne. So you did you work any time in Hudson County Sheriff? For literally one year. So at least you didn't have to go through an academy no, again. No, thankfully no. Oh. Until they picked everything up. Yeah, it was great. I know guys who have gone three, yeah. four academies. Oh, yeah. You're out of your God mind, man. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like fun to me. It's a lot. Yeah. So when as you get older, it's who wants to do that again? So I turned thirty in the academy. I was one of the the old school guys in there. I was. Yeah. I was lucky. I was twenty six when I was in the academy, and I was one of the older guys, which was crazy to me. As I'm twenty six years old, I don't understand mm-hmm. this. You know, and they make the older guys the squad leaders because they think that we have some sort of authority. Yeah. L- little do they know that I used to go in the stalls and as this is. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so in the stalls. Statue of limitations you is over. You're good. Um, they were giving us, at first I walked in, they were giving us our piss test and they stand right behind you when you when you go up to the urinals. And I remember it was, it was a guy named Pete. I won't say Pete's last name. He was Essex County Sheriff. And I go. And I'm, he's watching me pee. I'm like, so what do you think? Is it any good? How's it compared to the other guys? I went through a lot of Irvington guys. I know I didn't compare right. the way they did. But the next one was there was a handicapped stall in there. And it was just wide enough so you could put your arms like this. Right. And take like a 20-minute nap. Okay. With your pants at your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun in the academy. Um, it's not- there is. I have to tell you my CO, great man, 
Sergeant Hogan from Irvington. Oh, Kenny Hogan. Kenny yeah. Hogan. He's the man. I love him. He's one of the reasons why I've also bounced back from what everything that took place. He's got to get a new skull because it's yeah, been shot twice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He just had his party not too long ago. Shot in the head. Shot in the head party? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he said it the best. He goes, enjoy this because it's going to be the best six months of your career. Oh, so it was- you want to know something? It was. Absolutely correct. My, my my time in the academy, my six months in the academy, feels like it lasted longer than my 20-year career. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. I went to, I had some, I'm sure you guys also had some crazy guys when we were in the oh, academy. Oh, oh my God. But we, we were scared but, to death because our drill instructor was a Montclair cop who was very serious. He was a force right. recon marine. He's very, very serious. So, you know, we- That's we had. It. We had that, West some, Orange guy, and I think the director was Wilkes. 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 That, that, Back in the, but the academy uh, is some of your best experience yes, in law enforcement. Yes. And then it's fun when you get out. And you have to go to back to the academy for a class or something. Right. And you see one of your recruits in there. I, I, so yeah. here, here's the best one. So I go in there, and it was a guy named Hakeem Sims. He was orange director of Orange for a while. But he was doing undercover narcotics, so he had long dreads. And I go, hey, Hawk, um, you see our guy over there? Yeah, he used to be a male dancer. And then I walked out, and that was it. I didn't, he, I didn't say another word. Six months later, I'm in the gym with a Hoboken, a retired Hoboken cop whose son was in that same academy. He goes, yeah, the guy from Roseland. The drills, the drill keeps saying, well, you used to be a dancer. Get up on the t- table and start dancing. <laughs> and and that little that little ping of pride came yeah. in you going, yeah, I did this one right. I did this right. That was the best experience. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so what were you doing when you got out of the academy? When, when you got into uh, Bayonne, or did you... Did you just get assigned right to patrol? Yeah, assigned to patrol. Yeah, I went to midnights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You anything good? Ah, uh, it wasn't too bad. It was actually good. I was with the uh, the first few uh, few months. I think it was six months. You worked with a senior officer. Great guy. Uh, it's like the FTO program. Pretty. He was he was old school. He was from the old school regime. Did you actually have an FTO in place? Because my department did not. They had, whenever they thought you were ready. Yeah, they had like the guys that had over twenty years, like like 10, 15 years. Like they they put you with seasoned men. Which can but, be good but, and bad. But most of them were dinosaurs well, yeah. who didn't want to do anything and sleep on midnight. But Kevin, you hit the nail on the head. It could be good and bad. Correct. And I had an old school guy where we did things old school. Me too. Yep. I was grateful for that. Uh, I wasn't grateful for it while I was doing it as grateful like 10 years down the road. I'm like, oh, this is, right. thank God. And those the, the, the guy who was my mentor, I still keep in touch with. I'm still friends with because I, I'll never forget him. His, and I'm going to throw Big shout out to him. His name's Steve Sargace. Here we go. We, we said we're not going to bring up names. I'm going to say Steve Sargace because I'm so <laughs> proud of that man. I love that man. Well, in a positive way, of course, you can pick up a name. So he's a 22-year veteran at right. the time, and I'm I'm a rookie coming out of the academy. And, you know, of course, we want to go save the world. 22-year veteran. He's tired. Right. So I remember him looking at me, knowing that I'm new, and go, hey, um, he's like, how you feel? Did you get some sleep today? And I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good. You don't want to take this job to go bed down somewhere. So he looks, he goes, if you feel good and you want to work, let's work. Yeah. He goes, if you want to, if you're tired and you want to go bed down, I'm, I'm up for that too. It usually started off with, hey, kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 30 he, years old coming out of the academy and they're calling me kid. But he also said something to me that I'll never, ever, ever forget. While I was fresh coming out of the academy, I was very experienced in book knowledge of the police world. He was very experienced with the street knowledge right. of the police. So in many ways, and this is why I don't like that term rookie, in many ways, people coming out of the police academy have more information inside their head than the guys with 20 years on. They just don't know have the practical Nowadays, knowledge. Nowadays, yes. They don't have the practical knowledge. Correct. And that that's that's where the two worlds can, and if they can find a way to work together, it increases the I agree with you, Ken, but that's how policing now is going, heading towards. It's been like that for the past 10 plus years. We, we have more, you have a lot more academics coming in. It's a in. lot of academics. Yeah. That street smart has actually gone away. Because because they, they require a college education now. So you're yes. getting the college, the book smart college people now. Well, I also I also see it in, in the town I work in. I work with the police a lot. The salaries are so damn high. You know, you so you go to, uh, I, I go to a lot of engineering classes mm-hmm. at Rutgers. Okay. Go to an engineering classes and you will see... The kids look like a stiff wind's going to blow them over because their parents pushed them into engineering because they they know engineering is right. going to pay well. But uh, when we got on, when all of us got on, more so when you guys got on, you took this job for a love of a job like we were talking about earlier. Now the salaries are so high where parents are saying, hey, kid, why don't you, you know, exactly. go, go to police work. You're going to make sure. a lot of money. 
So I think yeah. that's I think that's the difference, the shift to me. I agree. And you're going to get good benefits, which isn't right. the case anymore. Yeah. Well, it's changed now. Yeah. Hasn't that changed, I believe, now? Yeah, yeah. That, you have to do 30 years or something like that now? That's crazy. And that's going to change, too, because then you're going to have 65-year-old men walking yeah, the beat. Exactly. And, and do you want that serving your community? No. No, you, you can't. You're going to be old and grizzled, and, and you're going to be pissed off at those that came yeah. before you because they got out in 25 if they did their full term. But, you know... You, police work is police work is a is a grind. It's not a business. It's very scary now, and and I feel listen. What what happened to me can happen to anybody at any time, in any situation. Would I go? Did I go a little overboard? Hundred percent. Do I regret it? Hundred percent. We'll get into that later on. But it's it's scary. The the, the way how this media has twisted it. It made made. I'm sorry. I got to say us because I'm. I, I still feel I am one. I know I'm not. I'm not supposed to say that. As as um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like out 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 outside. Like oh no, you were you you not one. Yeah. You know you know you know. Which is fine. You know, and then people got their opinion. That's fine. I know I wake up every day and I can put my head down comfortably, uh, and I can take criticism. But we we dealt with that in here. Not when we were still in audio with Mike Dowd. So Mike Dowd, thirties cop in New York City's yeah. history. Um, you know, we, Mike and I, we, we were hesitant to bring him in, but again, just it's, it's your shot to, to, to say what you. you believe. And, uh, but we do know Mike is still very involved in the police world, just not in the manner that he used to be, which was selling drugs. Um, well, that's a different he, he's story. Snuck in, he's snuck into one police plaza. So yeah, he's still, yeah. He's still involved. I mean, in if you're out there selling drugs, then that, that's... Yeah, and there was a problem that one of the people he was selling drugs to and given a little bit of information, the cop yeah. got shot by him. There, there was, there's a lot more into it, but even Mike right. has, a, has a chance for redemption because that's, I, I, that's, right. how I, that's what I believe. Everybody has a shot to yeah, make I, themselves I right. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because people come to me and say, oh, Mike... You know, you, you're in law enforcement. My son wants to be a cop. Do you have any advice for him? Become a fireman. Yeah. I would I would, I would never squash someone's dreams of becoming a cop because that was right. my lifelong dream. I would never squash that. But it's not the time to get into it anymore. Once you got that job, was it everything that you expected? Oh, I was on top of the world. I loved it. Like I said, I was working with the great guy. He was... He did narcotics. He did undercover. He was on. It was awesome. It was great. He was from the old regime. So I was actually being taught street policing the way it was. We would ride. We would do rips. We would do stops. We would frisk people. We'd, we'd make arrests on top of arrests. It was awesome. We had pursuits. Great job. It was just awesome. It was just a thrill. Like, oh, this is great. This is great. Oh, my God. This is great. And then uh, I got moved to afternoons. Uh, yeah. See, I liked afternoons. Midnights, it was all right. It was mid, okay. Midnights are never, you're never normal. I no. loved midnights. I loved midnights. I loved it. You know what I'm saying? We, were, we worked a four and four schedule. Oh, God. Forget it. Forget <laughs> you, it. You had it's a vacation a, every week. The 10 and a quarter. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. You can't go wrong with that. No. So I go to afternoons, and I think it was like my first eight, nine months on, and I'm with the guy I went for the academy with. We go to a DV call in the basement. It's dark, smaller than this. Oh, you and as we pull away, you see the holes through the door. What the fuck? Can you can say what it, no, say whatever what, you want, let what, it fly. Like, what the fuck? So now we had those old, old radios, the big ones. Mm -hmm. The battery's dead. <laughs> Nothing's going. Like you're calling no from a hot landing zone. <laughs> <laughs> there's no transmission going, halt, we're calling. We're trying to kick the door and come to find there's a garage and so the kid runs around out the other way, hides the, come to find it was an air pistol, air rifle. But still, we don't know. We're brand new. We have no idea. Work corrections. It was easy. It could break the skin and cause a very nasty infection. <laughs> Actually, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but when you knew, you don't know. Isn't that the Clark Griswold line? <laughs> this could break the skin and cause a very nasty yeah. infection. So we we get in there and we find out the, the guns on top of the drop ceiling, this and that. We come to find out, lock the kid up. The father and son had an issue. He was a teenager. So it didn't go too far. But that was the first, you know, kind of like a, whoa, what the hell? Yeah, when you get the, the welcome, welcome, you know how, to, welcome to law exactly. enforcement. You know moment. how we dealt with that? We went to the bar and hung out and drank. Yeah, yeah. you know when you get that first call, mm -hmm. and it, it's it's a hairy call. Yeah, like I I can tell you it was it was a guy. We he was actually reaching for his cell phone, but we couldn't see him because he was in a car and it was right. in a garage with that garage that he was not supposed to be in. And um, I remember getting out of that call going, "Whoa, 
That was that was close. Yeah, oh, sure. But see, yeah. you, you don't think about, everybody says, like, when you went to that situation, weren't you scared? You don't have time to be scared. You, you react. Don't. You react. You and don't. then you go back to your car and you sit there and you go, holy fuck, what, did just, what just happened? You don't you, have time I, to be scared. 100%. Now, let's, fit, let's go a year after that. Back in the day, Bayonne had a couple of biker gangs. One percenters. Mm-hmm. Down on the east side. There's a fight. This is not come to find out. It was uh, Saint Soldiers shoots one of the guys. As we're pulling up there, the guy's on the ground, shot, dead. We go right into the house. Not even a, like a care in the world. The whole 10 of us, I think, was just bum rushed the fucking place. There's obviously a gun in there. There's guns. Yeah. They, got, they got hidden and thrown away, but still, yeah. who, who, they could have killed everybody. So your career moves on, and, you know, did you get a chance to do any any type of special details there? Throughout my career, yes. Yeah. I was um, in plain clothes. I worked for the motorcycle squad also throughout the years. It was nice. And I did ABC. I always wanted to wear the boots. Yeah, no, I'll I tell you, it's a great and, feeling. And a, and a crushed hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a great feeling. <laughs> oh. The escorts, is, I mean, the escorts on the funeral side were very depressing. It's horrible. I always say, I always say those, those line of death duty funerals. Are the greatest worst experience yes. you could ever have. It's yep. the only way I could. I, it is a great experience. Yep. But it sucks. Never went to one. I couldn't deal with it mentally because I, I I had gotten as far as where they used to have the uh, they used to have a lot of them down in Newark and stuff like yeah. that. And I got as far as going to the front door. Never walked in Sacred Heart Basilica. Yeah. Never ever so walked the in. blue mass yeah. every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's not my it's not my thing, but. We, we policed in an era where we started one way and it became something else because, yes. you know, but we're all after the Rodney King. We're every, yep. so we knew the cameras that was were buried. out there. That was put away and gone. You, right. There was, there was like eight years between, right. I, what was Rodney King? 92, something like that. I, yeah. And then the trial know. was 96. So people, you know, as a, as a, as a retired police officer, people will ask me still about excessive force. Have you ever tuned anybody up? And I always bring up Rodney King, because if you ever watched the whole video of Rodney King, this guy's driving 90 miles an hour through residential streets. He's big. He's six foot seven. He's high as a kite on PCP. And they get him and the cops have got adrenaline flowing. They're asking him to comply. He will not comply. So they're whacking him. Now, that being said, did they take a couple extra whacks? 100%. 100%. Because like you said, your adrenaline's flowing. Your adrenaline's flowing. And, and you you just right. you just got put in a life and death situation Correct. because of this guy's carelessness. So, yes, he, he they did take some extra wax, but the guy still wasn't compliant. Well, you he know? was also under the influence on top of it. Correct. Help. At which I believe it was, he was, he was on PCP. PCP, PCP yeah. yeah. So the, it's not as far-fetched. I, I've heard Monday morning quarterbacks come in and say, All right, you know, this, this is bad. You, you, could, you should never do that to somebody until you're put into that situation. You know, that's, that's the part. That's the part. And then they bring up, of course, George Floyd and stuff like this. I don't even want to get into that. You can't get into George Floyd's completely different. Because he, that, that's amateur hour. Right. Yeah. You know, that, to me. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Be, but, you know, I, I was t- I, he's since passed, so I can say his name, um, Nicky Frazzalone. I was taught by him in the academy, Nikki the Bear. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so he was in my uh, Essex course, county. He, yeah. was, he was a staple yeah. of the county. Yeah. So Nikki was a martial artist. Yep. And Nikki knew he would teach you when you do unarmed self defense ways to give. He used to call it bonus shots, and he used to do a bonus yeah. shot, bang, and he would always do that. Yeah. Um, but they're bonus. They're they're shots that you, if somebody is being non compliant, they will hurt you. Will hurt them. You won't kill them. Right. You won't cause any permanent damage. But they'll know you mean business, right. and you can do it right in front of a camera. So that's and that, that, but that's a tool that we use where we we would take it out when needed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so things went a little downhill for you in your career. Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, let's. We had that. Then I got married, got divorced, got remarried in '05 to the, my high school. Actually, we went to high school together. Had a baby girl. It was great. She's now 17. Then we had my son in 2008. Three months later, he passed away. So that added a lot of, lot of. Was it a crib death or? No, he's actually had SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. Oh. Uh, he was fine in utero. We wrote her a one month well, well visit. Mom had concerns, brought it to the doctor's attention. We're right in Hackensack. From Hackensack, we go to CHOP. We spent the summer there, brought him home. 
August of 08, he passed away. Tried again. Just constant. Uh, it was just a, that was really the downfall. The, the drinking started. The, it's, it's just the building. It's building, it's up. building up. It's constantly building up. And, it's a building and up. Before of- that, I'm helping take care of my parents. My mother had a stroke. She couldn't talk or walk. My father refused to put her in a nursing home because he was old school Italian. He wasn't going to do it. So we had to deal with that. Then my father got sick. So then my son passed away. So my mother's alive. I'm saying, why the fuck is she still alive? I love my mother, but why is she still alive? And he's and three my, months yeah, old. And he's three months old. She does, can't yeah. talk or walk. What's going on here? 2010, she passed away. So we had a little break between 2011, 2012. It was great. We go to Disney. My father, <laughs> he's here from over, from Italy, for, I don't know, 40 somewhere years, 50 years. We go to Disney. She's Mickey Mouse. We're having great. Uh, I think that was the hurricane, 12? Yeah, Sandy. 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 I was working plain clothes. 2013, I had to do the one week of uniform between Christmas and New Year's. I had two days left. Out of those two days of the year, shit hit the fan. Literally, shit hit the fan. So, you know, now I used to go to the bar just like you. December 27th, to be exact. I used to go to the bar just like you. Now I prefer, I don't drink anymore. I prefer going to like a a little bit calmer of a place. Yeah. And you know, we, we just picked up a sponsor and it's a uh, Cubita cafe in Nutley. Okay. Um, two thirty four Franklin Avenue. Right. Exactly. You know, those are nice places because it's good food. It's top level chef. Yes. there. It's, it's just a place where we can sit down and relax and calm down. You and, know, it, it, it's more of a restaurant than a bar because I mean, you could just go sit well, this there is, and, and eat and it was just having a cafe, having a cup of coffee and having right. a nice empanada, you know, because cops were knuckleheads. Sure. We we try to hide all of our, our of our problems in bottles, you know. Oh my God, yes. So I and, and losing a son, I we're, we're all parents in here. Losing a son, I think, is probably one of the worst things ever. Yes, and it, and prior to that 2013 incident in 2012, I believe it was. It was a murder suicide. We get a call. We all shoot down there. He's retired. I'm not going to mention name, but he comes walking out. Real quick. Boyfriend sucks a bottle of vodka down, parks a car up the block, goes to the house, shoots the girlfriend, the boyfriend. The boyfriend has his kid in his arm, shoots him, shoots the sister. His two kids, thankfully, are alive, went downstairs to the basement, hiding under the bed, and takes his life in the furnace, in the boiler room. First cop on scene gets, picks the baby up. We throw him in the ambulance. We shoot over to Bell Medical Center. Me and two other guys were the next kin for this baby. Shot in the head. That sucked. So that brought up all the feelings of a, my son. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, because now you put a, you put your son's face on that baby. Sure. Face. Did they offer you any debriefing? They did. They had debriefing. Yeah, but you know how we are. We don't. We don't do that. You don't want to. We you don't, don't have time admit, for that shit. You don't want to admit any no. kind of. We're know. fine. Yeah. We all were fine. Absolutely. We sit in the bar. We throw our head back, and we're having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. You numb. You numb it, and right. There's lots of different ways cops do that with unhealthy behavior. You know, some will yes. get their yes. girlfriends, or some will drink Correct. it away. And Correct. Absolutely, I agree with um, you. Yeah. But so yeah. you. This brings us to 2013 because it sounds like you're building up. It's constant buildup. Now, mind you, I'm drinking every day. Yeah. My day's off. I'm throwing it back. I'm having a party. Woo-hoo. I think it's something with Bayonne. Could be. <laughs> you, you, you know the saying, if it's 14 eight, stay away, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta call Smitty. Uh, so, so tell us about tell us about the incident that really, really went downhill. So we were, uh, we're in a uh, lineup afternoon shift, and we have to do a warrant arrest out of Somerset County. Uh, I'm the dick. Why the fuck we enforce the Somerset County's arrest? Why they come here and do it themselves? Never had any interaction with the kid whatsoever. Young kid. was a great basketball player. Awesome. Never dealt with him in my life. The other guys did. Oh, yeah, he's a fighter. Okay, fine. We go to the house. He starts a fight at the door. We push the door in. We go inside the house. There's a big fight inside the house. We end up handcuffing him. We're bringing him out. He's walking out the door. He throws his feet up in the door jam. Go down the stairs. We're in the corner. Now we're in the corner of the building between a bar and, and the house. He, he fell down the stairs. Yeah. No, uh, actually, he did not, believe it or not. He didn't fall. Yeah. Head first. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> so we pick him up from here as we're walking around down the block into the police car. 
I guess I snapped, lost it. He said something. I just cracked him in the head with a flashlight. He was handcuffed when you hit him? Yes, he was, yes. Yeah. How bad uh, was the injury, or was it just a knock in the head? Uh, I think he had, I don't know how many stitches. I don't remember right now how, what he got. He One got the, stitches, though. He, he, got, he got a nice little knocker. Those old D battery mag lights. That's exactly what it was. It's, it's like funny. Three, three or four batteries in the thing. <laughs> three, you, exactly. Yeah, it's a big man. You know what the, yeah. they, were, they were the best for? You catch two people screwing in a car. You Absolutely. tap them on the window because it makes a very distinct sound when you tap that on a window and you watch them try to struggle to pull their pants up. There, there is no other distinct sound than a flashlight yeah. on a car window. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's um, so after you did it, was there any type of remorse going, why the fuck did I do that? Yeah. Well, like, well, there was five of us there. Yeah. So were you the only one that gave him a whack? With the yes, yeah. Okay. I mean, there was a fight. There was a thing that took place, but yeah, I was the one that actually. And I'll tell you something. It was, it was a uh, a hole in a ball, hole in a wall bar. If you saw the video surveillance, looked like it was standing right here, just like this. Awesome, crystal clear. Of Did course, not work in your course, favor. Of course, like, when you're doing something wrong, there's always good video of it. I'm like, what the fuck? When you think nobody's watching, exactly. there's always somebody yeah. watching. So like I said, there was five of us, like we're kind of like this and that, and then it, everyone just scattered. I was placed on light duty for a year. Well, did anybody, any one of the other five guys say, try to intervene in any way? No. Or say like, what did you do? We just hit him, we kept going, put him in a car and then left. That was it. It was like normal procedure. And what was the kid's reaction? He just, just kept quiet. He took it? He kept quiet. He didn't really say much. He's a trooper. Oh yeah, he was strong. Well, he was also on on under the influence of uh, alcohol, marijuana, PT, all that stuff like that. No kidding. That's yeah, what these so lab reports came back. Yeah. So he didn't even feel it. Probably not. So you were placed on light duty because he did he initial did he immediately file a complaint? Well, the parents did. Yes, the parents did. They, they, I think the mother. I don't remember. They came down immediately and like, okay, fine. They, it was the New Year's. We came back after New Year. There was a little investigation. They pulled the tape. It's like, all right, let's everyone. I'm like, dude, everyone, you know, you're here, you're there. Okay, fine, no problem. So all of 14, I'm sitting at the desk. No gun, no uniform, regular clothes. I'm like, all right, here we go. You're still getting paid at this time. Still though. getting paid. Okay. Yep. You know, I, I, I had that punishment detail, not because of excessive force or anything, because <laughs> I, 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 I actually, I'll tell you why, because I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. After a murder scene, I wasn't wearing my hat, and they told me to put my hat on. I go, you got to be fucking kidding me. And then I went and put my hat on. So I was put on the desk for nine yeah. months, okay? And everybody would come in and say, oh, you're the highest paid dispatcher in the state. They're right, but it didn't make it any better. No. It was humiliating. Yep. Sure it is. Everyone yeah. looks at you weird. Right. And that's what was going on. You become that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why is he on the desk? Mm-hmm. You know, and then we had the clicks and then no need to go down that, that, that road. But like, you know, little by little, you actually saw the, the detachment, the divide. They're trying to separate themselves from you. Absolutely. And do I blame them? No. Now I don't blame them at all. I'm going to say people, people treated your friends treated differently at that point. Well, you got to think I'm sitting at the home plate. My friend line was like sitting in a baseball field. It's it's wide. It's huge Mm. to where Narrowed down to nothing. Just you and the pitcher at that point. Then all of a sudden, exactly. Then all of a sudden, you're down. So now, did anybody else get get charged from this incident? Well, besides you, let me. I'll, I'll let you know what's going on. What happens is that 14 goes by. It comes January 2015. Then you hear this little scuttlebutt going around. This and who's getting interviewed? You know. So now the case is now out of state. Is in federal. January 30th, I'm sorry, January 25th, I believe it was, I dropped my daughter, I dropped my father off at the hospital, for he, he used to get infusion, blood infusion, dropped my daughter off at school, I come home, I walk back out of my house, seven cards. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa. I said, relax, I said, I'm here, I'm not going nowhere. Agent's really nice. I get locked up, they call my wife, they take me to Newark, get processed. They, cu- they cuffed you and everything else? Yeah, cuffed did, me, yeah. Did they hit you in the head with a flashlight? No. <laughs> <laughs> while, this, while, while all this is going on, um, people would ask me, have you ever been offered a bribe? And I said, I would say I would never take a bribe because of the embarrassment to my family. Like that's, so this, is, this has got to be a source of somewhat embarrassment to your family. 
how did they take it? Uh, in the beginning, a lot of my family stopped talking to me. Now, now, most, not, you, not all. Most of them did. Did you tell them beforehand what the crux of the investigation was? It did, yeah. And one of them kind of turned on me really quick, quick to judge. They're like, okay, we'll see what happens. You know, and they were like, kind of, everyone's just acting weird. And, and I, I, can, I can understand why. Now I can understand why. Then, no. There's always a reason behind those actions. You know, there's which ones be behind any type of excessive force or some sort of police bad behavior. Let's let's chalk it up to that. Sure. There's always a reason behind it. And very few people ever ask that question. Do you ever think why the guy's drinking crazy? Do you ever think why the guy's behavior is changing? Do you ever oh, think why you starting to jack people up on the street? There's issues going on behind the scenes yeah, that no one knows about. Know. Yeah. And then that's where and I'm kind of glad now where mental health is getting to be more open and, you know, but discussed. But back then, you didn't want to seek mental health because you'd be labeled. So yes. I'm going to say yes and no with mental health. Okay, I'm going to say yes and no. Yes, it is. It, they're dumping a ton of money into it because it's a hot button right now. But very few people, Mike and I, are, are we, we try to stay away from this portion of it. It's being very whitewashed. Do you know how many times, I'll, I'll give you a for instance. If I call this show The Suffering of Suicide. We will be demonetized because it must be whitewashed. Everything must be whitewashed. The problem in police world, we've stayed silent for so long because we're, we're worried about the stigma being attached to it. Exactly. And if I'm silent, guess what? I'm complicit. Yep. Exactly. So in here, there has been shows where we have been demonetized where Mike and I will go, oh, fuck it. Fuck it. Let's keep it in. Fuck it. It's, Who it's, gives a shit? It's sending a message out. It's sending a message out that people need to hear. Absolutely. We don't care if we make money off it. It's, well, don't tell YouTube we said yeah. that. But well. It's things that need to be heard. Absolutely. That people are afraid to talk about, especially in law enforcement. Just like you were afraid to talk about what was going on inside your head. You had the death of your son, murder, suicides. You had all this shit going on. Your parents, you had all this shit going on. You're afraid to talk about it. And guess what? The end result, it, it costs you a lot more than sitting there and open up to somebody. You after, are you are the end result. I will tell you, after I got arrested and before I pled, I drank my ass off. And I'll never forget, I was going fucking crazy. Two homes, two carts, a parent, an eight-year-old. Oh, what the fuck? What's going on? How, how, what's going to happen? Holy shit, what are we going to do? I drank so much, I popped sleeping pills. I really did not want to wake up the next morning. I figured that would be the easy way of just squashing this whole thing. I said it all the time, you know, when I was going through my my real down period, I didn't never contemplated suicide. But I went to bed every night saying, if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, it's probably not a bad thing. I used to drink myself to sleep. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't sleep. Trust me, I've tried to kill myself many times. I'm not very good at it. And it's more it's more difficult than you think. Kevin, I'm glad that they took my weapons from me because if I would have had them, I definitely, more likely under the drunken state, I would have probably ate a, was it three ounces, four yeah, ounces? Because I, you're, you're, crying, no you're crying yourself to sleep. Yeah. You don't know where you go. Your future is, is very, very chaotic and questionable. But let me ask you now, what would that have solved? Exactly. But you go through that point, you go through that point where you don't want to see the next morning. But right? you're, you know what I'm saying? You, you just don't want to see the next morning. It's but, like, that, so you're in an irrational mindset at that point. And we're sitting here with three semi-lucid people and because uh, he's still questionable. Two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> he's like half. Uh, we're sitting here, three reasonable people. And, you know, what's Doc Steph to always tell us? You're trying to rationalize an irrational behavior. Correct. So what was the final outcome of it? What was the what was the verdict? You took a plea, you said, right? I plead guilty. Yes. So what did you plead to? Uh, conduct on becoming of an uh, I'm sorry. Official misconduct. Official misconduct under the color of law, whatever whatever yeah, the actual title is. That's yeah. the catch-all. So it's yeah. my understanding that's five-year minimum. Uh, I was, uh, so now the proceeding, everything's going on and on and on. So I had my lawyer and we get all the discovery and I'm looking at it. Like, if you look at it, everything looked like this, mm -hmm. black. I'm like, what the fuck is this? He goes, that my friend is throwing you under the bus. Okay, fine. No problem. I accepted it. Okay, we go forward. And the, at first I was looking because federal does months, not years. Anyway, between 97 to 110 months. And I'm like, that's yeah. fucking 10 years. <laughs> I'm trying to calculate. Well, yeah, I'm like, that's January, 10, that's, February, March. Yeah. I'm like, that's 10 years. He goes, yeah. I said, for that? 
I said, I was on loan and did 10 times worse with, with other guys. I was like, we like shit. He goes, wow, wow. I was like, I said, this, now this happened. I got arrested in 15. I didn't get sentenced till 18. So that's three years of a building on your, on your brain. And what'd you get sentenced to? 42 months. And you, you did that in federal? Yeah. I didn't do it until, I didn't do it for 42 months. Is it good behavior, stuff like that? I left after 22. So when you- Are they still looking for you? No. <laughs> you stepped I like, in. <laughs> <laughs> I, had make, I had to make light of it. I was down in Florida. I had the fucking best tan ever. <laughs> when you step into that jail cell being a former cop- well, I had to mm. take myself there. I had to self-surrender. You had to try- I flew. Like fucking Henry Hill. <laughs> take me to jail. <laughs> You flew down there. Flew I hope you to, flew first class at least. No, no. I flew. No. <laughs> One last hurrah. Yeah. 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 So you go in there, going in there. Joining my hog club. <laughs> with myself. <laughs> um, you go in there as a former officer. There's got to be some trepidation. There's a lot. I, my first, when I first got there and I was looking, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I'm like, this is insane. Like, I can't, I, I said, mind you, leading up to this, I'm still throwing it back. I was really hoping to end it or find a way or get hit by a car or get crashed into a car, get into a car accident. So just anything, I would drive fucked up all the time. Listen, I wasn't good. I actually drove my daughter to dance school fucked up all the time. That's not normal. That's that's not good. That's sad. That's disgusting. And that's not a man. But now you're looking at a 42-month rehab. Yeah, well, well, it, it took a minute to to get to that thought. Forced yeah. rehab. Yeah, you know, it took a minute to get to that thought. So I've often heard. I've never been in prison. I'd often heard you're as reformed as you're going to get the first time that door closes on you. <laughs> Is there any truth to that? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So talk about reality. It's it's like dying with your eyes wide open. Phone calls limit to fifteen minutes. You got to wait a good half hour to make a phone call. Your emails, you can send one now. It's say it's it's eight o'clock. You won't get a response back for ninety minutes. You you're 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 detached from the outside world. The only the only thing you know is what's on TV, or if you have a radio, and that's it. And you write a letter. What's that going to take? <laughs> <laughs> a couple a week or so. Right. So you're like you're really detached from everything. Right. And you're not treated like. Listen, it, it it was bad, and it was it was a good and bad spots, you know. You had good and bad to it, but uh, I I took the high road. I was like, you know, listen, I'm I'm gonna do this. I cleaned up. I did. I actually taught in there. I taught uh, some construction stuff. I was doing construction on the side, you know, before going away. Uh, I went to work every day. I kept busy, kept my nose clean, you know, like because you can get jammed up in there also if you want. You know, there's a lot of things you can do. You can sell drugs. They have all that's all legit. They have that there. Yeah, don't you comply to your surroundings, and your surroundings aren't the most upstanding individuals in the world. When I first walked in, I was like, I'm thinking about probably just going right to the hall. And they're like, you should be fine here. I come to find out, I was down in Florida, judges, former other cops. I met a couple other ones down there. As a matter of fact, I was down there with, uh, what's his name? Volpe. Volpe? Oh, the Abner Louima. Yeah, he was was there. Did they let him have a plunger in the in the he's, cell? He's fucking shot. Yeah. He's shot. He's fucking shot. There's something wrong with him. Well, is he still in? I think he's out now, right? I think he got moved to Texas because something happened, and I think he's like, he should be out now. I have no idea. Yeah, I think he's know. out now. God, Volpe, that's... Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was right in my, father, my father's neck of the woods order. Oh, man. Oh, man. That, that was bad. But yeah, you, um, you... That was an egregious, just misuse. But again, that was, I'm judging... Again, I have to be careful with this because I am judging looking at it through the paper's eyes, just like somebody may do with your story as well. And, they, and a lot of them do. Yeah. I, I still this day, like I tell my wife, like, oh, well, are you an angry person? And I was like, I was, yeah, I don't think I am. I mean, I don't think I am. Like, there's a lot of things. I'm like, whatever, man, just. Well, did it change in prison? Yo, of course you have to. And, well, your, your aggression, your anger. Absolutely. You have to have patience. Yeah. You are told when to shit, piss, and eat. Damn it, that's I am not fitting into the prison world. You're yet. told right. you're even told when to go to sleep. Because when I got a shit, there ain't nobody oh, yeah. telling me whether I no, can or not. It's coming. Because <laughs> I was in an open area, so you, you had to wait. You had they had they do count. You ain't moving. Until that count clears. You gotta hold in. If you gotta shit your pants, you shit in your pants. <laughs> because it's, it's like 
See how I have to go to the bathroom. You wait. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's why they have those loose uniforms. So if you yeah. shit, it just goes. It just rolls out. right out. You got to understand. I, 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 I've, I'm finally at the point where my daughter, she was pissed when I came home. I lost probably about a good five, six years of her life. Yeah. And I was away for two of them. So that first two years, the first that first taste of freedom, you get out there, you do twenty two months. That first taste of freedom for you, what's the first thing you did? What what food did you eat? Well, Everybody remembers the food food they ate. <laughs> I went to a place in Newark that I go to the halfway house. <laughs> I had sausage and peppers. <laughs> I was I was gonna say like chicken. You gotta parm. understand. I also came out when it was COVID. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, is so, that why you got? Is that why you got the early release? No, 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 no. no they they shot that all down. No. Yeah. No, Co- came out. COVID didn't count in jails. You, no, yeah. you probably came out going, I didn't leave the world like this. What the no, it was, com- it's like, so that was another shell shock. I'm like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. But I kept doing my thing, you know, just keep positive. Got up another, got another job. I started, as soon as I came out, I hit the ground running. Got a job, got a car. They gave, they gave me a car. It was great. So I was working. That's I, uh, doing bothered. construction. I started in sales. I went back to sales, construction equipment sales. I always said that sales, sales. are the one thing <laughs> everybody can get, even criminals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was doing good, but I needed to get back into the workforce. So I did all my certs, got them all back, and ended up getting another job. And I'm there two years, a superintendent for a civil construction company, and doing great. So oh, good for you. What, um, you've had all that stuff taken away. So you have a different appreciation for those things that got taken away. Oh, we take we take freedom for granted. A lot of people take freedom for granted, and not just law enforcement. I'm talking about the United States people in the United States take freedom for granted. I'm the first one to tell you I took freedom for granted until I went to rehab, and then I realized what freedom is. Sure, I truly understood what freedom was, and all this stuff that I took for granted. I did make a commitment to now. Do I do I backslide sometimes? Of course I do. Sure, you know where I start taking it for granted. I just have to think back to that one time when I got everything taken away. And right. a, and a right. finger up your ass. He was gentle. <laughs> he was gentle, and it was he was a slight man, so his hands were kind of small. This short little thin. Yeah, it's just it was small. I only think he went to the second knuckle, so we're all right. <laughs> you know, you go third knuckle deep. That's just rude. That's no, like, that, that's love. <laughs> that's like you gotta you gotta watch you don't drop the bar of soap in prison either. <laughs> so you have a unique experience now. Uh, when you, if you were to speak to to another police officer you know and and what do you think is the is the primary piece of advice that you give to another police officer who you may see because you you probably can see things that others can't they're going down a road absolutely what kind of advice do you give them right out of the gate it's okay not to be okay it really is exactly it's okay not to be okay and 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 i it's funny how law enforcement and Public safety goes hand in hand with construction. It's the same thing. Drugs, alcohol, divorce rate. And you see it's like, are you okay? I'm having a problem at home. Let's take a minute. Relax. It's to help someone how to cope with certain things. Just having an ear and listening, having someone vent and following up with that person after that, making sure they're okay. Just that's that, that next phone call after it. Exactly. You know, we had we had a conversation the other day. Is everything good? It means a lot. That sure. goes a long way. Sure. But there are some freeing things to construction work, because that's what I did when I first got out. Imagine you get beat like things it. up with hammers and stuff. And flashlights. <laughs> you, you know, it, Legally. there's a difference in police world. You can't, no. you know, if Mike and I are working together and we get into it and we're on the, and we get in, like seriously get into it, well, there's going to be an IA. You yeah. have all sorts of problems. Right. In construction, you go over there, you whack it yeah. out, you, you do whatever well, you got to do. I tell you, it's not, no. it's, again, it's changing also. Uh, I'm doing all, I'm doing resiliency work. So I'm working with city of New York. I'm working with FEMA. I'm working with DEP. Yeah. Like, you still have to be, you have to have a level of professionals. You can't just go F you and F this and that. You can't, you can't be angry. You can't, like, you have to. That was the freedom of it. Listen, I had rebar swung I mean, at me many man, times. I, I'm <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean the labors yeah they get into, but yeah. when you get into the yeah no no administration level, low level, yeah you have to like whoa because you're the representing grunt, grunt levels you could still get away with exactly. It. it was great though because you had a problem you hashed it out on the job and then you went back right. to work and you were fine mm-hmm. and you were fine. No, there was no pent up aggression. There was no fear of any repercussion. 
I kid you, on the level that myself and others are on, there's a lot of politics, not only with the unions. Yeah. You have to deal with all the business ministry, all the business agents, and there you know how they're like in New York. You put the big rat out exactly. Yeah, job, that, yeah. That's that's an embarrassment. That, and then you work with all these major construction management companies, and they're all strict by the book, like mm-hmm. ladders and safety. Like, say people go to prison for failing to be safe on their work site. Well, there's a whole different type of danger on construction right. sites that people don't Absolutely. realize. But yeah, but I. I I would like to pass on how to cope with things. And what's a, what's a primary? I'm coming to you, and I'm having some problems. What what is the primary primary piece of advice, especially off of your own bad beats? I, don't be afraid to open up your mouth and say, "I need help." Just what do you need? Just talk to me. I, I I'll stay here. Whatever you want to do, I'll help you. I'll walk you through it. I'll take you where you want to go. To let's not go to the bar. Let's go hang. Let's go talk. Like, like I said, as alpha males, we're afraid. To step of up, of course, and, and that was say you need you're, you're feeling, and pain. that's a stigma. You said that yeah, was it, yeah. you, you, and that's why the thing nowadays is stop the stigma. You know, like and uh, it's difficult. You've it's, you've had an amazing journey, yeah, from doing what you love to falling from grace and yeah. to being where you are now. To being where you are now, yeah. so you have to build yourself back Correct. up with yep. fresh eyes and, and and a brand new lifestyle. But you have suffered. Yes. And we're coming to the end of this thing, and we always end the show the same way. If you haven't learned from those things that you've suffered from, then it's really a wasted opportunity. Absolutely. So you went to prison, lost your job, your family took a hit. What do you think your suffering has taught you? Humble. Yeah, it'll humble you. Oh, yeah. Humble. Um, Tomorrow's another day. One step at a time. And I think that's a uh, a pretty good place to end it here. Dom, I really do appreciate you coming, Thank opening you. up to us the way you did, owning it, which is super, super important. Exactly. I mean, it's a terrible story, but you did own yeah. it. And I, you know, I got the open respect to for you, man. You have to. Really open respect. Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to throw out? Yeah, I say uh, you have to have faith. Uh, faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And why don't you give out your social media so we our audience knows where to find you? Uh, on Instagram, sure. It's Dom Lilo. Do, something. Do, it's Dom. Yeah, Dom Lilo. Yeah. All right. So we'll put that on the yeah. we'll put that on and the bottom as same well. Same as Facebook, also Dom Lilo. I really do appreciate you coming. Thank in. you. And, and thank and you for Kevin, having. Oh. I mean, also, while we're at it, um, we we have a new uh, new new prop in our studio. It's a book called Looking Within by Heather Prinzo, who is a very good, a, a daughter of a very good friend of mine and a family member of Dom's. Yep. Um, it's it's all about, I mean, she's a, she teaches special ed and she came up with this book. It's, it's all about looking within someone and seeing what their inner being is all like and not judging them by the outside. And like I said, I, you, you know me, I'm very involved in Special Olympics. I was just up at the Winter Games this week and you, you see these athletes and if you judge them by the outside, you know, you, you're going to judge a person all wrong. You judge them by what's in their heart. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's it's life changing. This, this this is an excellent excellent book. So we can find this on Amazon. Amazon. Yep. Looking within by Heather Prinzo. By Heather Prinzo. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast: The Suffering of Excessive Force with Dom Lilo. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned. Beware of D-battery flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost. (laughs) First and foremost. It's okay to not be okay. Let's try to break this stigma, but most importantly, be humble. And that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to throw a big shout out to one of our newest sponsors, and that's the Oakley Kitchen at 789 Bloomfield Avenue in Nutley, New Jersey. Of course, go to popple.com, get your digital business card, put in the code TSP20 for a 20% discount. Follow us on all social media. That's Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Clapper. Only fans. <laughs> Don't forget to follow Mike at Mike underscore Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And of course, follow the Suffering Podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode.